This is a Geekdo Podcast. Right. Now pay attention, 007. I want you to take care of this equipment. Q, have I ever left you down? Frequently. It's something we're making for the Americans. It's called a podcast. A podcast, you say? Is that some sort of fishing equipment? No. And it's been has not been perfected out of the years of patient research entirely for entertainment purposes. And incidentally, we appreciate its return along with all your other equipment intact for once when you return from the field. Well, you'd be surprised by the amount of wear and tear that goes on out there in the field. Just listen to Drink In Geek OST 007. I have on good authority that they will be talking about music from your video games this week. Hello and welcome to Drinking Geek OST as we're getting bombed in the background. <laughs> this is a show where we drink beer and listen to geeky soundtracks. This episode is featuring Wicked Possum, not Possum, Possum from Indiana City. I am player one, the Duke. Along with player two, Saf, and that track you just heard is from the James Bond 007 video game for the Atari 2600. Uh, developed by Parker Brothers. It was the first lion- licensed James Bond game. In this first mission, Serafino Spring from the novel Diamonds Are Forever uses diamonds to create lasers shooting satellites. You must avoid enemy fire from satellites and helicopters while making your way to Spang's oil rig. The game is a side-scroller where you control a car that can jump and shoot items for points, though shooting enemies has no effect. <laughs> And that was the title theme, hmm. followed by some explosions. So how do you get to the oil rig on your car? I guess you, it probably flies or oh. can go over water. <laughs> it's got those secret agent plane wheels. Yeah. <laughs> One of them nice. turns into a submarine at some point. One of the cars. Right. Yeah. So you would think that they would have the technology to make things fly. Um, but all right, uh, before we jump further into the episode, we are going to go ahead and have ourselves the beer. This Metazoa Brewing Company out of Indianapolis. And the, the beer that we have in front of us is the Wicked Possum. Not to be confused with possum. My accent <laughs> is American, and I'm saying possum. I'm not quite uh, Bostonian to make this yeah, sound better. Th- we don't if- have that, that specific <laughs> accent. Hey, that's Wicked Possum, man. Possum. Wicked Possum. Well, that's a Wicked Possum I ran over. <laughs> I ran over a Wicked Possum with my car. <laughs> and it made me lose my car keys. That's it. <laughs> it, just, it reminds me of that uh, that uh, Park Yourself car, the, the Hyundai commercial mm-hmm. with Chris Evans and uh, John Jim from the, Yeah, there we go. Jim from the office, and he's like, "It's that Smap Hat." <laughs> like, what the fuck it's is Smap Hat? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So it's an IPA, New England. There it is, a New England IPA made with laurel and Eldorado hops. And then, is there anything fancy on the can about the ABVs and IBUs? Nope. But on the website, we have six point three percent ABV and twenty five IBUs. Which I believe that's Pikachu, but I have to double check. It's the No Time to Die. Oh, there we go. The 25th Bond movie. No Time to Die. Even better. A 2020 GABF 
bronze medal winner, Wicked Possum, is the first in our line of experimental hazy IPAs and lean on additional additions of laurel and Eldorado hops to give a tropical fruit and slightly fl- floral flavor to this medium full-bodied IPA. If you're curious, on the side of the can, it also says the ingredients are malts, two-row, wheat malt, flaked oats, shit, blonde roast oat, and the hops are Citra Mosaic, Idaho, Laurel, Eldorado, and the yeast is OYL011. So that's nice little information there for us. They have little notes on the side, and it's essentially what I read, but just in their own words. Yeah, slightly different order, I think, because I was trying to follow along. Yeah, just off the can. You covered most of it. Yeah. Speaking of the can, it is a wonderful green color, like a forest green, I guess. And uh, it says Wicked Possum um, in a vertical format. There's like a little stamp of a paw and it says drink beer, help animals, because that's like Metazoa's tagline or catchphrase. Mm-hmm. It's what they do. Yeah, I like it's a very simple can. Uh, the addition of this on the backside, their tasting notes that they do. I don't know if they do that for every single can. I do remember seeing them for uh, a few of them that we had, like the um, the chairman meow, uh, and then this one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're going for. And so really, they have such a small surface area to actually <laughs> use have some artwork or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's very simple. I, it's clean. I like clean. I like simple. Yeah. I like clean. Uh, the colors are good too because my favorite color is green. And um, it's got all the information right there, except for like the ABV. I don't see that on here. Right, exactly. I didn't see it either. That's why I was kind of looking through that. I had to turn the light on because I was like, I can't, I can't see anything in here. But I didn't see anything on there, so it, as good as it's going to get. I <laughs> That's guess. the one thing they missed. <laughs> ah, geez. Can't even tell if it's 25 IBUs or not. I guess we'll be testing it to see. It smells amazing. It just like filled this whole room with a like a citrusy smell, citrusy Absolutely. hoppy smell. I was like, oh my gosh, that is a great, great smell. Um, you know, looking at just reading the can, just having yeah, exactly. Nose. Yeah, it's like, oh shit. As I'm looking over this can, the fumes are just wafting up into my nose. Yeah, I think you get more smell out of the can than you do in the glass, though. Yeah, a little bit. It's more have to... condensed into one big whiff. Mm, right. Um, I also poured this like an asshole, and <laughs> uh, it the head's pretty much non-existent anymore. It, it, it was like half the glass was was head, and it just kind of dissipated really fast. That's nice. Yeah, that means you can get to the beer quicker, even if you pour it like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely can smell like a grapefruity type of citrus smell. Yeah, a lot of those kind of tropically island fruits, I feel like. Like a papaya Mm -hmm. or something, maybe. Yeah, it might be the Ido 7 or the mosaic that we're smelling, for sure. I have a a feeling that it's going to be piney just by the list of, like, five hops on there. But this is supposed to be New England, so it shouldn't really have that West Coasty taste. Yeah, it should go down Uh, pretty smooth. Yeah. One little thing about the the head, too, while we're just, like, taking a sniff and looking at it, it definitely looks like it's chewable. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. I did. Like, I did have little chunkies fall into my glass. Yeah, just just by looking at the head alone, I'm like, damn, like that head looks like it's like I can just like swat, you know, swipe my finger in there and like it's thick. It's thick. The head is thick. Yeah, and I didn't pour the whole thing, so I wonder like what's at the bottom of my cane because oh, I don't. You'll definitely have some lumps. <laughs> yeah. So it's typical New England as well. You can't see through it at all. Yeah, it's it's definitely 
definitely milky-ish. Mm-hmm. Just by the just by the look. Not saying that there's lactose in there, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely hazy, if you will, or cloudy, super cloudy, mm-hmm. slimer cloudy for sure. Um, uh, the intensity and the aroma, I think, really just depends on if you have the can or if you ha- or you're drinking out of a glass. It smells like it's almost like it stained the inside of the inside of the can. Yeah, <laughs> with the smell. <laughs> the can smells a little bit more bitter. At least mine. Yeah, because yeah. it smells a little bitter, more bitter than the glass. That's for sure. It kind of pours, just like slowly pouring. It kind of pours like the color of pineapple juice. Yeah, for sure. It's like yeah, that light, light, light. You know, yellow, orange, but it's very, it's very light. It looks like it's going to taste very good just by the, the, the look and the pour and the smell. Let's find out, I, I guess. It's going to taste. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, definitely got that juicy upfront <laughs> flavor. Mm-hmm. Very good there. It had a slight lingering bitterness, but. Yep. Uh, still lingering. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's still like fruity. It has a fl- fruity flavor, but a bitter fruit. Yeah, it definitely has like a bitter fruit. Um, it also it tastes thick. Yeah, it, it looks thick and it tastes thick. It's very like thick in in the mouth feel. Like full body doesn't quite hit it. It's, it's like <laughs> it's almost chewy. It's like bubble gum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, that was that was delicious. It's almost <laughs> like if you eat a food that dissolves instantly in your mouth. You're expecting to chew it, but it just dissolves right. in your mouth. It's kind of like the opposite here. We're like, oh, it's just liquid, but it's like, oh, it's thick. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's it's pretty tasty. Uh, it's a, on the older side. Yeah, but it's still holding up nicely, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. That's basically what I was going to say. It's, it's holding up really well uh, for being an older can where a lot of the New England styles that we've had in the past were like, oh, you got to drink it within like a week or two mm-hmm. or else it's going to start tasting bad. I don't think that's the case with this one. It almost reminds me of like a tropical fruit smoothie with hops added to it. Mm-hmm. Based on like the texture and like the flavors, yeah, 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 uh, for sure. You get like a tropical fruits. Um, you you know throw into a blender. Mm-hmm. That's actually uh, that's pretty spot on for sure. Well, since we have such good opinions, let's see how many bad opinions we can find on Untapped. <laughs> Probably a lot of them. There are one thousand four hundred thirty-two ratings and a three point nine five average, which is pretty good. I have two check, two friends check this in. I also did not check it in. I figured I was going to be doing that anyways. Uh, three friends, three friends check it in. Why didn't that show up before? Uh, James R at a, at Pizza Palace. He gave it a three seventy five. Jesse Favor didn't even rate it. That's probably what it was. He didn't rate it. He just checked it in. And then Doyle Doyle uh, having fun at Metazoa gave this a three point two five. I've also got Mick Beer. Um, he says nice grapefruit and rind flavors and give it a 4.25. Nice. Jeez, Doyle Doyle is popular is mm-hmm. all hell. He has like 40 people toasting his check-ins. Way to go, bud. He's like an uncapped celeb. He is. He literally like toasts everything that me and Allison drink. Not not to like an uncomfortable level, but every time we go somewhere and mm-hmm. he Toasts a couple of our things. I think that's he does that for every person he follows. That's why he gets so many back. <laughs> so they're just like they toast back. They're like, oh yeah, do do. He toasts. I toast. It kind of made like it kind of made me toast a little bit more. Sometimes yeah. I log into the app and I'll I'll scroll through the activity feed and I'll see uh, Chris 
check something in that I've had before and I'll I'll toast him and then send him a message or you know anybody else uh Kane Moyer I've done that a few times but I, I feel like I do it more now yeah. that I see people actually toasting me so I guess it's kind of like a incentivized uh reward system Ooh, I got I got some toast yeah. on this thing. it reminds me of like Facebook poking somebody I don't really know the point of it but it's kind of fun to do sometimes oh yeah do they still do that <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I haven't been on Facebook in years same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrolling through and I'm not really seeing any comments. A bunch of decent scores, though. Yeah. For having like 1.4 thousand. That is crazy for a Metazoa beer. That is. But they did can it. So that's, I mean, that's a, a, a positive to be able to get it. Big Juicy Deepa, 425. And then check in, check in, check in, check in. Picture, 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 right. picture. Nothing else, really. I guess I'll take a look at the photos. Uh, Susan said, oh, wait, I just messed it. Uh, nice and rich, great, hazy in 3.75 at the pint room. Oh, nice. Yeah, this picture is at the tap downtown. So they're actually distributing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So the tap had it. Pretty good picture. The tap has so many handles at this yeah, place. Yeah, there's like 80 or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, this person doesn't look like that beer. It looks like. Yeah, it's like red almost looking. Yeah, it's like plum juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You get those. You should be able to, like, flag people's post if they looks like the wrong beer and, like, get them removed yeah. from that. Right. Gilbert B., it's a pungent fruity flavor for a split second, then it's gone. Three out of five, which I do not agree with. Uh, Kevin had it at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Uh, he took a picture of it, probably his wife. While she was drinking something else, and he had his picture, his like his beer, half in the photo. Mm. It's like he just wanted to take a picture of her. It's like <laughs> I'm here for the beer, bud. Show me the beer. You get more likes. Your wife on Instagram if you have a female in your picture. She is pretty. Don't get me wrong, but I am here for the beer. Put it on Instagram. Get it <laughs> off on tap. Gatekeeping 101. Listed just a picture of him in wearing sunglasses, and there's no beer involved at all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're not gonna post a picture of the beer, at least make it a meme. I like those. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty funny. Especially <laughs> if it's a meme that applies to the beer somehow, some way. So yeah, somehow. Yeah. Does Metazoa have an outdoor area? I didn't realize that. Like a patio type of thing. They got that like dog park area. Oh, I see. I don't have a dog, so I've never been over there. They just redid it all like last maybe two summers ago or last summer I think it may be open. It's like twice as big and there's tables and stuff out there. Hmm. Gotcha. My dogs are all yep. assholes, so I don't ever take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of these pictures, like, look delicious. Like, the like ours, ours looks pretty good, but some of these, like, I think it's just the lighting. Yeah. And the type of glass. If you have, like, those fancy tulip glasses, I don't know. Some reason, beer just looks more delicious. Yeah. All the yeah, all these pictures are good. That's all we have to go off of are these pictures because nobody, nobody wrote it really saying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not going to... Not going to be any better from me. Right. I'm just going to say, I liked it. <laughs> it was young. <laughs> um, all right. So I went ahead and took a fancy picture in front of my big-ass monitor with my keyboard, everything in there. It looks pretty pretty nice Got backdrop. It. And the message I said was, this is him. I literally said I was going to say that, so I said it. And then I said, recording an episode for Drinking Geek OST. Little plug. <laughs> I gave it a 4.25. It is quite tasty. I think uh, the chewable aspect of it, which is not something that we normally like. say, yeah, this is how we want our beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it adds something to this. 
that uh, kind of just, you know, gives it like an uptick just a little bit. It's like the thickness. It, it's creamier, creamier, creamier. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it's nice and juicy. It's creamy without like lactose. So if you're intolerant of that stuff, then you can be able to drink this without having like somewhat of a reaction. Um, it's just all around like a, a pretty solid, juicy, thick beer. I am going to hold your hand on this one. I also gave it a 4.25, and I reiterated what I said earlier. It's like a tropical fruit smoothie that someone spilled hops into, and I said super yum, so I heightened your yum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn, your yum is better than my yum. <laughs> but the same score, so I don't know how that works out. Yeah, I don't know. I think what would probably make this a little bit better, if we still do that type of thing, would be have it not so bitter yeah that's exactly why it's not like a four and a half to f- almost a five because it does have that lingering kind of piney aftertaste that's right not super uh enjoyable but it's still it's still a very good beer it really is just by the taste of this i could pretty much guarantee that keith would hate this yeah probably <laughs> just by like tasting like you literally can taste the the bitterness he probably wouldn't like it but it's almost. I, mean, I, I think it's pretty solid. Like a West Coast New England, however that works out. <laughs> like it's got that yeah. kind of piney hop bitterness, but also it's got that thick New England haziness. Right. Yeah. This was thinking a hazy West Coast. That's an <laughs> interesting combination, right there. Opposite coast, but somehow they m- met in the middle. Big fan. All right. Want to hop back into hop? <laughs> hop back into uh-huh. some music. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. This is from A View to a Kill, the 1985 video game for Spectrum Commodore 64 and MSX. I feel like I've seen this box art on the Commodore 64. Yeah, uh, it, it looks like the movie, I think. James Bond! <laughs> that was horrible. Um, it's an action video game released by Domark and was one of two identically t- identically titled games released in 85 so who knows which one you saw if <laughs> there's two different ones right. split into three missions you begin by racing around Paris in a taxi and try to catch a parachuting mayday the second mission involves uh, revolves around rescuing Stacy Sutton from a burning city hall and plays like a point and click adventure the final mission is platforming level where you must jump around a dangerous mine to defuse a bomb. So all the big set pieces from the movie get mm-hmm. recreated. So I'm looking at this review of this. It's crazy. The walking animation is creepy. I'm, I'm just watching a video of someone actually playing it. It is all creepy. <laughs> But it definitely reminds me of like an older uh, styled, um, like, like older style uh, computer game. Then basically, oh, yeah. what it is, the, the end, it like scrolls a bunch of te- text while the song is playing, and at the end it says "reset machine" and load your first mission. So you got to like turn off your computer to <laughs> play the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm watching the the side scroller part right now, and that is 100% different than the previous footage I saw him walking inside of a building, and it's insane. This is different graphics. He does flippies. Uh, that's wild. 
Yeah, it's kind of cool that they did like a a driving level, a point and click mm-hmm. level, and then like a platforming level. Right. It's almost as if they ha- they like put three teams on this and said, "Hey, make this right. game. Uh, we're gonna break this up into parts so that Different we can get missions. this done. <laughs> yeah, so we can get it done quicker." And then you had three styles of games made, and they're like, "Well, shit." All right, well, Ooh, put it all together. Put it all together. Someone will buy it. <laughs> it's got James Bond on it. All right, let's go. That was the title theme, by the way. Let's go on to James Bond, The Living Daylights. This is from 1987. It's a long play, so this is just the sound of the game. The oh. music is only in the title screen, apparently. Pew, 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 pew. But you got James Bond walking around, shooting at folks. It's like a, uh, you scroll a little reticle around and then land on enemies to shoot them. Oh, yeah. So it's like a first-person shooter, but you're not moving? I don't know if you control, he is walking, but I don't know if you control that or not. It's just like him shooting people in the background. Let me pause that because it's kind of annoying. Um... Instead of copying the gameplay from the other Bond game, Domark started to scratch, started from scratch and produced a side-scrolling shooter. You control Bond and can move right, roll, and jump. When you press left, a crosshair moves in from the right, and you can aim and shoot anywhere on the screen. Yep, yep, I see it. It For being 1987, this is actually pretty good. It looks, yeah, the graphics look pretty solid. I mean, you, get, you can see that it's like a guy walking around on almost like a moon type surface because it's all gray, but then guys pop out from rocks in the background. Pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's like a walking through the town and like people pop up in the windows and you have to determine if they're like civilian or someone to shoot. That's interesting. This is from Live and Let Die, 1989. This one's DOS Atari Spectrum Commodore Amiga. Same producer or developer, Domark. I finally have a composer's name. I couldn't find composers on the previous ones. This is David Whitaker. Yeah, this sounds like an updated uh, sound system as well. Yeah. Like the Atari ST was like a, an upgrade in uh, hardware, and so the Stop. sounds were able to store a little bit more. That was like text being typed onto a screen, that like clicking noise. <laughs> it's hard to find on these old games actually just like clips of the sound so i just got like some gameplay yeah the the gameplay is good this is a speedboat racing game that's weird <laughs> yeah i guess there is that long sequence in the movie where you do that but a whole game that does that i mean someone thought it was cool a cool idea so in this game uh it's a 1988 speedboat racing game from domark although it was their third james Bond title it started out as an unrelated game called aqua blast Domark noticed that the missions were similar to the boat chase in Live and Let Die and decided to rebrand it as a 007 game. Oh, nice. Without permission or with permission? <laughs> I, don't, I assume they had permission because they did the previous two James Bond games, so they like had yeah, the license. Yeah, that's fair. This is, I mean, for the most part, it is pretty cool looking. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, um, uh, just like a gameplay, and it kind of reminds me of like F-Zero as you're just kind of... Mm-hmm controlling a boat like third person going down a track 
which is water and blue. You have things that shoot. But the scene that I paused it on uh, makes me feel like this wasn't a Bond game. Like it wasn't initially a Bond game because there's pyramids and palm trees in the background. So that was left over from Aqua Blast. Uh, Aqua Blast. Okay, let's go on to License to Kill. Here's the title sequence for uh, License to Kill on the C Commodore 64. It's like a sped up version of the Bond theme. Yeah. Now this is the one composed by David Whitaker. First released on DOS. Um, it's the fourth game from Domark. It represented a remarkable leap in terms of graphics and had a freer sense of movement than prior Domark games. Game has four main levels. Each has a different gameplay style. I do have a song from the Amiga version as well, so let's see if that's different. It's funny, on this game, it says of the top in the Commodore, his bad side is a dangerous place to be. (laughs) How corny. Oh, that's interesting. I mentioned there's four different styles. The first is a vertical vertical scrolling shooter with Bond in a helicopter. The second, uh, he's on foot and must kill enemies in eight-directional shooting. That's like a top-down view. Yeah. Uh, The third has Bond scuba diving. Shooting enemies underwater and dodging enemy fire, or going underwater to dodge enemy fire. The final is a driving level with Bond, uh, where he must smash his truck into other vehicles. This is probably the best quality sound we've had so far. Yeah, I do like the Amoeba version. Uh, when you want, when you win the game, it says congratulations on defeating Sanchez and smashing his evil drug empire. That's good. Yeah, you did a good thing. So I guess the idea is you're running a truck into the drug lords, smashing their vehicles from trying to make deliveries, I guess is what the the long play is. All right, let's go on, because now it's getting into gameplay. Got the spy who loved me. Better turn that up. Um, this one is from the Commodore 64. Again, Domark is this developer. Uh, it's the penultimate Bond game from Domark, so they must have one more up their sleeve at some point. Uh, it's widely considered to be a ripoff of the arcade game Spy Hunter. Both titles feature gadgets, laden cars, and a vertical scrolling racing and shooting game. the Bond theme. Oh, this is nice. I like it. I like that, like, the beat. Right. And I have the Amiga version as well. Um, And as we found out last time, that was a better version. Yeah. This just sounds like straight up from the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it does. So I'm watching the gameplay. It is also a top-down. Oh, it's got a voice. Check this out. 
the graphics in this one are way better. It's also 1990. Yeah, we're so getting we're getting newer and newer. I should have mentioned that we're going in chron- chronological order. Yeah. But the they have a of the game they have an actual scenes from the spy who loved me as their introduction into the game. And when they get to the part where he does the shoot down the barrel of the gun where you yeah. see and the blood scrolls down, it converts to like an 8-bit. I really liked that. that. That was cool. Yeah, you must be looking at the Amiga version. The graphics are way better on that version. The uh, Commodore 64 looks almost like a Game Boy-esque graphics. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching uh, the Atari game here. Okay. Yeah, but these look really cool. I, I like I like this. I'm not really a big fan of the the, the top-down view. Feels like I'm playing a mobile game. Yeah, I mean, mobile games are a ripoff of old yeah. NES games, essentially. Because <laughs> this is right. definitely a Spy Hunter. I don't know if you've ever played that, but it's a top-down driving game yeah. that looks exactly like this. All right, let's go to James Bond Jr. But I'm really digging this. It sounds like yeah. I'm listening to the movie. Here's the NES version. James Bond Jr. was on the NES and Super Nintendo, so it's probably kind of one of those middle ground, 92, just around the time where NES is ending and Super Nintendo is starting. It was based on an animated series of the same name, which followed the adventures of Bond's nephew, James Bond Jr. It was the first and only Bond game from THQ, who usually makes horrible knockoff games. Um, This kind of reminds me of the Animaniacs game. Just by looking at the graphics, it's uh, I think THQ did that as well. <laughs> uh, uh, both share the same story. The gameplay and missions were different from the NES to Super NES. Um, NES was a platform puzzle game. Super Nintendo version was more of a shoot 'em up. So that's the NES. Here, let's move to Super NES version. Here we go. The composer... Oh, it says right on my screen here. Peter Stone. Much better sound quality from... Between the two systems. Yeah, I, I do like this one. I do like it. It's almost got like a actual bass sound. Yeah, slapping that bass. Alright, that'll... I think it's looping at this point. The Duel, I do not have. They must have been deleted, because they're not showing up on my playlist. James Bond The Duel was a 93 game for the Sega Systems, and this was the last one produced by Domark. That's the only reason I wanted to mention it, because we said they had one left in up their sleeves. Matt... Furnace is the composer. Um, it was... The, <laughs> I like this little synopsis. James Bond 007 The Duel was released in 93 and was thankfully the last James Bond game from Domark. It's a standard platformer where you jump and shoot enemies in environments that aren't fill, aren't fitting of James Bond, such as a forest. Hmm, yeah. Bond theme, map ro- uh, a map wrap. Map wrap. Jungle soup and space hop. Yeah, that sounds kind of awful. 
All right, let's go on to the game everybody knows. It's the really the game that kicked off the whole 007 series in on the N64. It's Goldeneye. Made by Rare, so you can tell immediately by the sound because it's almost like uh, Donkey Kong. Yeah. The composers are Graeme Norgit and Grant Kirkhope. I like the the rap or the the rock. Yeah, the it's rock. very hard rock. I don't remember that, but that's cool. And this is the first one that's a first-person shooter, too. Yep. Uh, consistently the rate of the best game adapted from a film, 007 for the 64, was a revolutionary first-person shooter modeled on Pierce Brosnan's 95 debut on GoldenEye. The game introduced a split-screen multiplayer deathmatch mode that became a standard for the genre. Yeah, I remember Halo basically picking up yeah. after the uh, GoldenEye was the first game to demonstrate the, that first-person shooters were viable on home consoles, selling over 8 million copies. It became the third best-selling game on the N64 and remains the second best-seller for Rare, just behind the 9 million-selling Donkey Kong Country. That's the only song I have from this game for now. I plan on doing a full GoldenEye episode next summer to celebrate the 25th anniversary of this game oh yeah that sounds wonderful uh, and then we'll talk more about it then but definitely a great game and it was remade a couple times so uh, it'll be interesting to compare yeah uh which means i just have to i have to get the uh we set back up so i can play the game <laughs> see why it's so bad i wanted to buy it but i did see bad reviews so I'd... yeah i i bought it when it first came out like so I didn't read any of the bad reviews. I, <laughs> right. I went to the it's store like, oh, immediately. Sweet, the, a remake of the best game ever. Yeah, I know. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you have to use the stupid gun Wii mm-hmm. controller, which isn't very good. All right, we'll talk more about that next year, I think. Yeah, the Wii Zapper. Wii Zapper, yes. Um, all right, this is a Game Boy game, so it's a short track. It's just called Game uh, James Bond 007. It's a 98 game developed by Sapphire. No relation. Composers are Eric Nunemaker, Brent Lambert, Nathan Davidson. The first handheld James Bond game appearing on the original Game Boy very late in the console's life. While the black and white graphics are dated to hardware, the Game Boy offered a first... Oh wait, I, I got lost. Uh, a first-person shooter was out of the question. Instead, developer Sapphire made a top-down perspective action-adventure game that was more akin to Zelda than to James Bond. The game revolves around solving puzzles, hiding from finding hidden items, and engaging in simple close-range close-range combat. This is the main title, obviously. This reminds me a lot of Pokemon. Really? Just watching the gameplay, it, it definitely looks... It's it's Pokemon just with James Bond. Yeah, I mean that makes because Zelda is similar on the Game Boy to Pokemon game. The Not, menu is totally Zelda though, and the sound isn't too bad for being a little handheld game. Better mm-hmm. than some of the like Atari ones for sure. All right, back 
to the 3D games, Tomorrow Never Dies. This is for the PlayStation version. Developed by Electronic Arts. Composer is Tommy Tallarico, who is another pretty famous uh, video game composer. Sounds like the movie. Yep. And PlayStation had that ability to... Because it was essentially CDs you're playing. Yeah. Uh, It was the first of eight Bond games developed by Electronic Arts, and certainly one of the worst. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Uh, It's first-person shooter, but you're in third-person, so you're watching your character. But if you get... Like, the, the camera angle back enough, uh, like you're up against a wall or something, and you can't quite pan the camera, you disappear, but your floating gun stays the same, oh, so you're geez. still... Yeah. Um, the interface sucks. I like GoldenEye way better than this. Yeah, it says, uh, the game threw out everything that made GoldenEye such a classic. Tomorrow Never Dies featured a third-person perspective, no multiplayer, outdated tank controls, and lackluster graphics. Mm-hmm. So the first song was the theme, title theme, and then this is called Confrontation. And the rest of the soundtrack kind of sounds like this garbage 90s techno action movie music. Yeah, but I I can dig it. I like the music way better than I like the gameplay. (laughs) I'm watching the gameplay, and it's awful. It kind of reminds me of that Streets of Rage, like... Where it went from cool to interesting to what the fuck is this? Yeah, the music <laughs> is interesting uh, on its own, but it doesn't fit a Bond game. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, definitely looks like uh, like Grand Theft Auto. Really, the the graphics and the the character running and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm playing Grand Theft Auto when I'm watching this. But yeah, the music is definitely interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I would ever play this game. Uh, probably the music alone is kind of like a turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting. There's people who out there who like it. I don't know if they like the the game, but they do like the techno garbage. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the world's not enough. That's back on the sixty-four. It's also on PlayStation. It's developed by Electronic Arts again. Poser is Neil Baldwin. Sounds pretty good so far. Yeah. Following the success of GoldenEye, developer Rare declined the opportunity to make another Bond game instead of choosing to develop their own IP, which was Perfect Dark. Electronic Arts took over and released their own sequel, The World Is Not Enough, in 2000. Ignoring the their dismal first attempt, Tomorrow Never Dies, EA instead cloned the gameplay style of GoldenEye and produced a decent, if not innovative, game that met with good reviews. EA, developed, uh, EA re- also released a PlayStation game with the same title, but it was made by another developer and poorly received for its bad gameplay and lack of multiplayer. Yeah, 
the interface and gameplay look way better than the other game that they tried to put together. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. What I don't like, and this is probably just because it's the 90s and people want to enjoy video games, they don't have to try really hard, is the snapshotting of the cursor, their crosshairs, mm -hmm. automatically target enemies. So it'll auto yeah. pull for you. Which I guess is makes that's fine because if you know if you're not that great of a shooter but you still want to enjoy the gameplay, you should be able to enjoy it. Yeah, I I have this game. I played this game, and I I liked that just because I'm not that great at first person shooters, so it was kind of a it handheld me, but it was useful. Yeah. This this music is way better too compared to the other game. Hold on. Um, all right, we got one more song left from this game. Let's play that now. It's called Fam Fame Famous Chase. <laughs> it's a Thames. It's a river. Oh, yes. So based off of just the two songs I played, this is definitely my favorite so far. Yeah, it is nice. It sounds like you're doing a like a, a chasing for sure. Oh yeah. Definitely got some bond qualities going there. Alright, let's go back to PlayStation, I believe. This is from a game called 007 Racing. Again, developed by EA. The composer is Alistair Brimble. Uh, this game was released in the same month as the awful PlayStation version of World's Not Enough and is undeniably Electronic Arts' worst James Bond game. The gameplay has the has you driving through checkpoints and shooting missiles and machine guns at enemy vehicles, but the sloppy, unresponsive controls quickly remove any fun that that might have had. Um, it's proved yet again that James Bond was better on Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Song's not too bad. It's kind of slow. Yeah, it is for a racing yeah. game. It's kind of lackluster, really. Well, this is the menu theme. Let's see. This is track three. It's still weirdly <laughs> slow. Yeah. I don't. I can't really imagine this being racing because it's very slow. But also, the gameplay kind of reminds me of like a, again, like a Grand Theft Auto. Like you're mm -hmm. in a car, being chased by people. You're running over things, collecting objectives. There's well, not not a whole lot of racing involved. Only, yeah, the only difference is that the car you drive has machine guns and missiles or such that you can use. Yeah, doesn't even look like a Bond car. The cover does. It's the Aston Martin, but I don't know what the game looks or the car looks like in the game. I'm just looking at the cover of the game. I should probably look at the cover. Oh, the art for sure, but inside the game, it 
I don't know, because it's a uh, third person, so I can't really tell yeah. what the front looks like. But <laughs> it just looks like a shitty sedan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be a coupe. I don't think I don't, there's there's only two doors okay. on there. It is a coupe. Uh, but yeah, this it seems very slow for a racing game. But again, it's not really a racing game. Let's move on to Agent Under Fire. This is the main title. It's again, developed by Electronic Arts. It's on PS2, GameCube, Xbox, and Game Boy Advance, surprisingly. The graphics look phenomenal. I have this game. It's pretty fun. I think this is the one that they don't have Pierce Brosnan's license for, so the box art is just a silhouette of a guy holding a PP-7 or whatever his gun is. Yeah, these graphics are really good. <laughs> for GameCube, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to a different track. It's called Precious Cargo. I feel like something's happening in this scene. Like, you're listening to this music and you're kind of like pressure to do things mm-hmm. faster. I think there is a t- probably a timer on the screen, I would guess. Or uh, I think Precious Cargo is a person that you have to save. Um, this Agents of the Fire was the first James Bond game on the sixth generation consoles and was released on the game, this consoles I said earlier. Uh, since Bond games were coming out at a faster pace, then the films, Agent Under Fire, uh, necessitated an original story and managed to pull it off fairly well. Yeah, as I was wondering, like, looking at the titles of these games, the this game plus its sequel have nothing to yeah. do with the movies. This is action scene number two. The game play returned to a first-person perspective and combined fun shooting with new gadgets, including grappling hook and hacking devices. Driving missions added some variety and were a huge leap up from the terrible mechanics of 007 Racing. Overall, Agent of Under Fire marked the beginning of a new stream of good Bond games for EA. Definitely got the Bond players in this song. Right, yeah. This scene looks pretty cool. I feel like this is the one where that music was originally. <laughs> I like these graphics, and the, this music sounds really good. This is action scene number four. This is my last track for this game, but just want to give a variety of music because it's pretty solid. And this game was actually really fun. I think they did a great job of developing original storylines for the games in. Um, I was playing Everything or Nothing earlier, and I'll talk about that in a second once we get to that game, but, like, they just pulled it off quite nicely. Let's go on to the sequel to this game, which is Nightfire. This is the theme song, which is, like, they gave these games even, like, their own... Bond theme. We ranked yeah. the Bond themes earlier, and like 
we didn't include the video game themes, but there are actually they have their yeah, own some themes of as well. Pretty good. This was composed by Steve Duckworth. Uh, looks like they have the uh, the rights to Pierce in this one. Yep. So the theme kind of reminds me a lot of the movies, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. It... I should have figured out the artist, but it doesn't stay on here. Yeah. So it's also like Nelly Furtado or something. Yeah. I'm just doing a little Googling to see if I can figure it out. The graphics are just as good, if not better, than the previous game. Same generation, so yeah, it's probably it's gonna a be the same. Couple years later. Yeah, but the the animated like people seems a little like more fluid as they do their thing. Um, it's a person called Estherio. I don't know who that is. This is called Infiltration. So this is the sequel to the Agent Under Fire, as we said. Improved upon its predecessor in almost every way. It managed to capture an authentic feeling of a Bond film, opening with a gun barrel sequence, a playable action-packed pre-title sequence, and a girl-filled title sequence, complete with an original song. The develop. Uh, the level design was excellent with many missions following for allowing for several unique approaches giving the game a more open world feeling top that with a stellar driving mission and you're left with a classic bond game and some pretty solid music yeah uh, this is another song called alpine escape Sounds like it'd be like a skiing level. Just alpine escape. Right, yeah. That's what my thoughts were, yeah. It might be a driving level. But you got your classic Bond flares in there. And lastly, because I'm not sure how long we've been talking, but I still got several games to go. We got Drake's Castle, and Drake is the bad guy in the game. Hmm. Very Bowser esque. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Bowser bond. Yeah, it definitely is a castle theme. I'll give you that. <laughs> very ominous. Very, like, what are we getting ourselves into here? You pretty much can tell he's the bad guy when this music yeah. is playing and you see him. You're like, yep, that, that's, that's him. little transition there yeah very that is very bond-esque yeah like a a basset theme <laughs> like getting ready for her like oh yeah 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 so uh i'll recommend listeners to go follow up on that game and 
listen to more music if you're interested, but we're going to move on to Everything or Nothing. And this is just the main Bond theme. We're still on elect, uh, with compo- or developer Electronic Arts, and the composer is Ian Stocker. Kind of a metal version, like with those guitars. Mm-hmm. This is the highest rated of all of EA James Bond games and arguably one of the most enjoyable, the most enjoyable, which I can attest to. I was playing it yesterday and having a grand old time. It reverted to a third-person perspective and introduced a tight cover and shooting mechanics, wall repel action, and extreme fun gadget-filled driving missions uh, with cars, motorbikes, and helicopters. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, and I think... It kind of, I don't know if it's the first game, but the third-person shooting mechanics remind me of, like, Gears of War and stuff like that that were developed on the next generation after this, I think. Yeah, um, I was I was thinking that, or... Um, what game's Snake in? Uh, Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid, yeah. That definitely looks yeah. very Snake-like. Um, but the problem is... Not to, you know, not to drown this out, but that theme sounds like every other yeah. theme. Uh, I'll get to, here's the next track. That's the Bond, the, the theme that was developed for this game, the original theme, the, with lyrics. Uh, the game placed a greater emphasis on driving missions than any game before. It used a Need for Speed engine, ensured tight controls and mechanics. Everything or nothing was also the first game to include a non-archived voice acting from the cast of the films, including Richard Keel as Jaws. And the song is by Maya, if you remember her from... Uh, she's she's one of the people in the... Oh, God, what's... Lady Marmalade song. Oh, uh, like Chris... Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, with Christina Aguilera and Missy Elliott. She was really famous back in the early 2000s, but I don't know where she went. Uh, but it's got, like, M and John Cleese back from the movie. Or, uh, Q, uh, John Cleese and M, uh, Judy Dench back from the movies. It's got Pierce. The Bond girl is Shannon Elizabeth, because I guess it's around the American Pie time period. <laughs> And Heidi Klum is the Bond girl villain. Oh. I mean, and the graphics aren't perfect, but they're pretty good for a GameCube yeah. game. Yeah, for a game that came out in 2004, yeah. I think that's, they're pretty good. Better than any of the GameCube Zelda games, I'll tell you that much. Right. Those are super blocky where this looks more smooth. Um, mm-hmm. This is the last game I played in the James Bond series, so... Uh, this next game is called From Rush With Love, and I can't really input anything besides the music. Again, here's yeah. the Bond theme. 
composer Thomas. is Christopher Lennertz. Ooh, the, the game cover is supposed to look like Connery. Yeah, I think they got Sean Connery licensed for this one. They're like, yeah, we're running out of original. Can we go back in time? Yeah, and... that, I mean, that's smart. Yeah. Now that looks like an Aston Martin. <laughs> All I have is the cover from the game to look at. Yeah. And let me move on, because, I mean, we've heard this ten times already. This is called Kidnap. Definitely uh, a 60s or 70s sound yeah, music. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Jaws in a way, like the, the movie Jaws, like that yeah. orchestral sound. I was thinking like indie, uh, Indiana Jones yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah. Um, 007, or From Russia With Love was the last Bond game published by EA, and although not as good as Everything or Nothing, it was a high note to end on. From Russia With Love featured the likeness and voice acting of Sean Connery. That's pretty cool. Recre- recreated many sets and locations used in the film. The most interesting aspect of the game is seeing those familiar sets and exploring the off-camera areas where you were never shown in the film. Yeah. I think the graphics might be a little bit better in this game than in the previous game you just looked yeah, at. But they don't sense. use as they just don't use as many like assets or whatever that the other game looked. So this is kind of boring. Yeah, it's kind of toned down, but you it, yeah. like the characters look better, but the, like, there's not much going on. Yeah, there's mountains, water, you're in a boat. I mean, at least this scene is what I'm, you know. Hey, this song is called Docs, so maybe we're listening to the same thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe. It kind of sounds like Bond is sneaking around. It's one of yeah. those sneaky songs. Oop, action. More on the composer Christopher Lennertz. Uh, his big break came with the musical scores for the 2007 film Alvin and the Chipmunks, Hop, Think Like a Man, and Warner Brothers comedy Horrible Bosses, as well as the video game series Medal of Honor, created by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Our last song for this game is called Inst... Istanbul. Definitely has that kind of vibe to it. It's like yeah, it almost sure. sounded like a belly dancer song at first. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Not too bad. Let's move on to the next game, which is Quantum of Solace. And we're starting with the main theme again. This one, we kind of moving on to the next generation. So it's on PS3, Wii, 360, DS, and Windows. Mm-hmm. And we're away from EA, and now Activision is uh, the developer. Oh, Activision. Gameplay reminds me of uh, Splinter Cell. Okay. Yeah, I have not played this one, so I'm not There's sure. There's a lot of sneakiness to it. There's uh, You're actually doing spy shit. That makes sense. sense. Uh, that's kind of cool. 
<laughs> and instead of just running around shooting everybody, you have a listening device. So you have to like kind of find somebody, and then when it's time to execute him, you go ahead and shoot him. And and Daniel Craig's on the box art, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. they got his likeness for the game. Yep. And the composer is still Christopher Leonard's. Yeah. You can definitely tell this is on the next gen. Oh, yeah, it sounds sounds very good. Alright, let's go to the next song before I start reading some more. Unless you want to read this one. Yeah, I can do that. That's fine with me. It's the same old, same old. Quantum of Solace was the first James Bond game from Activision. Piece of shit company. Fuck you. <laughs> do they still exist? Yeah. They do, and they're in the midst of uh, controversy with the uh, Activision Blizzard thing. Oh, God. Yep. Ending EA's eight-game run, it was powered by the Call of Duty 4 engine. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Call of Duty and not uh, Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell kind of reminds me of it, too. They're, I think they're all the same engine. I would, I'm, guess, I'm just guessing. Yeah, probably. And was the first Bond game of the generation, the 360 Wii PlayStation 3, as you mentioned. The story is based on the films Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace and follows their plot quite closely with some additions. While the shooting is first class, the first Bond games in years to have no driving levels, which really hurt the variety of gameplay. The music and voice acting are excellent, including Daniel Craig and Judy Dench. I don't know if that really hurts the gameplay per se, but I guess the variety. Yeah, right. it kind of gets stale. You're doing the same things over and over where driving mm-hmm. gave you just like a little break in the action. But And it's surprising because Quantum of Solace starts with a really cool uh, driving sequence where he's got, I think, Mr. White's in his trunk and he's trying to deliver him to M. Yeah. Oh, this is called Construction A. This is the last song I had for this game. This is nice, though. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I like Christopher Leonard's work on these games. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a couple more games left, so let's move on. Here we go. This is from Bloodstone, the 2010 game. Again, developed by Activision. The opening credit sequence. Not bad. I like it. The singer is Joss Stone. It's much better than having that same old James Bond theme play yeah. over and over and over. Oh, we have that too. Nice. I'll get that. Yeah. That short gun barrel theme basically uh bloodstone is the second bond game from activision greatly expands upon the gameplay variety of their previous effort it adds melee attacks allowing for more stealthy gameplay as well as excellent car and boat driving missions uh, that become a highlight of the game 
Its downfall is that after an intense pre-title sequence in the first half of the game gets off to a slow start with too many empty hallways and general lack of fast-paced action, the second half improves on the, this greatly, but since the story mode is only five to six hours, the game feels lacking overall. The studio behind Bloodstone, Bizarre Creations, was shut down following its release. That's unfortunate. Oh no. But it was, uh, that, visually, that was a cool title sequence as well. It just looked like a movie with like silhouettes of women and stuff. And this is just the Bond thing from the game, so. Yeah, just looking at gameplay, it is very spy-like. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a lot like Quantum of Solace, but with the addition of, like, driving levels. But there's nothing really about this game that I kind of feel like, yeah, this is a, you know, must-play. Pretty good graphics, pretty good, like, representation of Daniel Craig, but it's just, it's basic, kind of. A lot of sneaking around, a lot of splinter cell. So we're on to Goldeneye 007 for the Wii. <laughs> the game that Dustin plays. Yeah. I like the song. It's like the original. It's the, yeah, it's from the movie. Yeah. The composer is Kevin Kinner. Uh, Did they really need a composer? They have the original guy from here. <laughs> Uh, but GoldenEye, that you hear from the singer, uh, GoldenEye 007 was a remake of the N64 title. It was released on the Wii on the same day as Bloodstone. So I wonder why people didn't play that game, am I right? Right. Yeah. It featured motion control shooting with the Wiimote, or the Zapper, if you had it, with the movement from the Nunchuck. Don't let the term remake confuse you. This game is a new game from the ground up. That is heavily based on the original. Uh, like the original, single-player experience is excellent, but multiplayer deathmatch are where the lasting value comes from. Just interesting because it's got Daniel Craig's face in this one, so it's like this is what it would have been like if he was in the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's basically him. So it kind of like pulls onto the the aspect of. They're different 007s, and so... Um, I don't know. The graphics look pretty good, based on yeah. this title sequence, anyway. It was the hardest one to play. I don't like, like nunchuck controls. <laughs> yeah, playing the Wii was really tough. It, I just I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. All right, on to our last game from 2012. So it's been a while, at least since we've had a good Bond game, it seems like. Right. It's called 007 Legends. Oh, I like the song. This is the opening credits scene. Yeah, it's a gold finger. <laughs> yeah. Activision again. Kevin Kinner again. Yeah, it's kind of a mashup are... of different Bond things. Yeah. I like that. It's fantastic. 
007 Legends is the lowest rated James Bond game of all time, with aggregated ratings ranging from 16 to 45%, depending on the platform. Eurocom, the studio behind 007 Legends, went bankrupt following the release. So making a Bond game is like a kiss of death for you. Yeah, unless you're rare. Right. The poor reception and sales also lost Activision the Bond license. The premise is that Daniel Craig's Bond has flashbacks to missions within five Bond films, uh, including Goldfinger and On Her Majesty's Secret Service, that are retold in a modern-day setting. That's dope. I like that idea. It's fortunate that... I don't know if the game's horrible or it just didn't sell well. Yeah, the, the graphics are smooth, but... You don't, I don't know, it's back to a first-person shooter. And so you're doing a lot of spy stuff and, you know, I mean, the game looks cool as shit. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it looked good from the videos I watched. And that's yeah. probably why we haven't had a James Bond game for a while. Because this one didn't sell well and it caused a company to go out of business. And, like, the last two companies went out of business, I think, they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Activision basically lost the rights yeah. to Bond. So who owns Bond video games right now and who's trying to build a game from the you know the ground up it's unfortunate these games are pretty fun for the most part i don't know about these early games but from the 64 era on they are all pretty pretty cool this was released for the playstation 3 the xbox 360 and the wii u i wonder if uh like the xbox game pass will ever come out with like these remakes of these games or like the switch store i would probably i would check them out Mm -hmm. if they're on the new consoles um, but yeah, the, the flash, the idea, the premise of the, the mashup with the music was just awesome. Like you had all of those themes all together flowing through and we could pick them out. We knew yeah. which ones they were based on like audio cues that we remember. It was awesome. It would be cool if like when you're playing the Honor Majesty's Secret Service, your face changes into George Lazenby and then like oh, yeah. Goldfinger, you are sean connery if they had all of those characters but it's like daniel craig remembering those as if he did it yeah so basically you you get there and you're like what is going on you look at a mirror and like whoa hey (laughs) that's neat i like that it kind of gives me like a um uh an animus vibe from like assassin's creed where right yeah you are reliving the memory of the whatever historical Mm -hmm. thing that you're doing at that time like very same vibes i think is i think that's cool Damn, I hate that that did so poorly because that sounds really yeah, cool. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> and then, like, this current generation does not have a Bond game on it, it seems like, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Based on, like, having four on GameCube and three on Wii or something like that. Right, yeah. I don't know. But that's all I got for this episode. Next week we will be talking, or, well, two weeks from now, we will be talking about the rejected Bond themes from the movies. So we're pretty excited about that one. Um, if you go back to drink and geek out our other podcast we ranked the movies over there i think that comes out next week and then the following week at the end of september we will be doing the golden gun awards awarding all things bond so please check that out on drink and geek out if you're not subscribed to that right uh speaking of which we are on all the social media platforms uh facebook instagram twitter uh, at drink and geek out we don't have one specific to geek ost because you know what we're all the same people so yeah It'd be the same content. 
Yeah, right. Uh, just a, a branch. We have a website, drinkinggeekout.com. Uh, we have all of our things on there, links to the blog, links to the geek SRMs, IBUs, and all of our uh, podcast links you can get to. You can find us pretty much on any type of podcast platform. If you're looking for a new one, let's say you're listening to us on Google pla- uh, Podcast and you're like, you know what? Google Podcast just has too much crap on it. And you're like, oh, they're on Stitcher. Oh, they're on Spotify. Cool. Neat. I didn't realize that. Apple Podcasts, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're listening now. So pretty sure you know where to find podcasts. Exactly. But we, we're on all of them. Just saying. If you find us on the website and you want to us on your podcast app and we're not reach out and we'll make sure we get on there yes uh we have t-shirts uh threadless.com and then t public as well so the uh threadless one is drinkingeekout.threadless.com which is more of our risque <laughs> shirts because they haven't taken any of our uh shirts down and then we have our t public store which is the more tame one which is tpublic.com slash stores slash drinking hyphen geek out we're also on Patreon. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, it help us uh, tremendously with purchasing a beer uh, and all those different things to keep the show going. Uh, you can pick an episode topic, just not in September. We're pretty booked. Uh, <laughs> right. But there are some things on there to do. Uh, so, yeah, just just come find us. Send us an email. Who knows? Whatever. Just ping us something. Give us money. Yeah, give us money, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> Support us any way you can because we love doing this and we want to keep doing it. Yeah. And we just renewed our website, so we need all the money we can get. Not really. We're like NPR right now. We're like, <laughs> uh, we are. We need a, a telefund because we're, yes. we're publicly funded and Public, we're running low on yeah. money. So <laughs> we're gonna start putting the Wikipedia link on there. Hey, give us money. Give us three dollars. <laughs> if you've ever used this, okay. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Until next time, Dig OST will return. Do 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 do